Welcome to Trib Talk. I'm Jennifer Napier Pierce with the Salt Lake Tribune. Mormons wor worldwide aspire to be married in a temple where the faithful believe that the temple ceremony will extend the union beyond mortality. But the requirements for that sacred rite differ depending on where you live. In some countries, LDS couples can have a civil ceremony open to all, immediately followed by a temple wedding where attendance is restricted. In others, including the U.S., couples who are married civil first must wait a year before they can receive temple rights and some want that one-year waiting period policy to be changed. Today on Trip Talk we're talking about the possibility and what a change would mean for Mormons logistically, culturally, and doctrinally. And joining me on the Google Hangout today is Paul Barker. He is behind the website FamilyFirstWeddings.com, which is advocating a change in church policy. And he's joining us from Las Vegas, where he is vacationing with his family. And Paul, thanks so much for making some time for us. I appreciate it. No, thanks for having me. Also with us, Salt Lake Tribune religion reporter Peggy Fletcher-Stack, and she's been covering faith traditions for the Tribune for over 20 years, and Peggy's here in the newsroom. Peggy, welcome back. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Also with us, Tribune columnist Robert Kirby, and he wrote a column on this topic last week, and Kirby, great to have you with us as well in Thank the you. newsroom. And you can join our conversation today. How did Mormon temple requirements affect your wedding day? Would you support a policy change or not? And if you've got questions or comments, we invite you to join us. Send your thoughts to the hashtag TripTalk on Twitter and Google+, or put them in the comments section of our page at sltrib.com. Uh, Peggy, I, I gave a very short introduction, a framework of the church rules. Uh, put some meat on those bones. Explain to us more fully what the rules currently are. Well, as you said, uh, Mormon couples see the temple as the pinnacle of the most sacred rite that they can have for a wedding. and But the requirements to going in the temple are limited to Mormons who uh, meet certain level of requirements like uh, living the church's health code, like paying tithing, uh, acknowledging or or saying they believe the church's teachings and that keeps some even Mormons out of the temple uh, and in addition Mormons are often married to people whose families are not Mormon or who are not currently attending and all of those family members would also be excluded from any kind of temple wedding ceremonies so, um, there hasn't been a good way to handle the people who are excluded. Um, as you said, Jennifer, in other countries, mostly in Europe and South America, most, a, a lot of other countries besides the U.S. and Canada, Mormon couples are, uh, are required by the governments of those countries to marry civilly in a public ceremony and then can go to the temple right after but for some reason in the US and Canada that is not allowed so anybody who has a, a, a civil ceremony in order to exclude include all of their family members would have to wait a year to go to the temple and a lot of young Mormon couples are not willing to do that and so it's caused this incredible tension within families and division and 
feelings of exclusion and it's it's become a pretty big problem for lots and lots of Mormon families. Mm. Well, is there a historical uh, basis for the one-year wait? Maybe you can give us that context. And is it considered doctrine? Okay, as far as I know, it is not considered doctrine. It's a policy. And I do not know when exactly this policy was implemented because as far as I know, in the 1960s and maybe even early 70s, people who didn't live close to a Mormon temple, for example, if they lived on the east coast of the U.S. and the only temple was temples were in Utah, they could marry in a, in a, a Mormon chapel and then go drive across the country or fly across the country. Mitt Romney was married, for example, in Michigan in a civil ceremony and then w flew to Utah and had a temple. Sometime, I think in the 70s, the one-year waiting policy was instituted. And I can't tell you why that was exactly, but it's been that way for maybe 30 years, maybe more. Hmm. I, think it was, I think it was more in the you 1950s. Think it was, yeah, in the 1950s, it used to be in the handbook that um, if the parents or the couple insisted on having their non-member friend or friends and, and family, if they insisted they could, by special permission, be granted a civil wedding. And then all of a sudden, I think three years after that, I think about the same time Romney got married, they did change that to... And there's some exceptions to the rule. If the, like, uh, like Peggy said, if, if they live far away and it was an inconvenience and they didn't want the couples alone, you know couples. <laughs> so get married civilly and then travel uh, uh, a ways to the temple. And that was because a lot of times, not like now, where temples are, are closer to, to people these days. Mm. Paul, uh, for the record, you are a believer, uh, a member of the LDS Church. Why are you pushing for change? Um, we just noticed that there was just a lot of unnecessary damage that was being done between families. Uh, families that weren't members were were getting hurt by this, and they just get a bad taste in their mouth about the church. Um, and uh, I noticed when I, I had my father had a lot of friends in Mexico. We went to a wedding down there in Mexico, and it was awesome. The whole family was there. Um, we did it in the church. Um, all the friends, all the family, all celebrated the couple together. And then the next morning, we just uh, went to the temple and had their ceiling and it was great and they were able to focus just on that. They had their wedding and all the celebration, the cut, the, the cake cutting, all that out of the way and uh, they were able to focus more and we were able to focus more on, on the ceiling. So it was, it was a beautiful example of what they're doing already in other countries. Uh, just to, to offer some definitions for those who are outside of the Mormon tradition, the handbook you refer to is the sort of the rules, the regulations of day-to-day yeah. -day church life, and then uh, the sealing is the temple ceremony where a marriage is considered to be eternal. Um, uh, so, Paul, uh, why now? Why, if this policy has been around for years, why do you think now is the time for change? Well, the church is growing. Um, and a lot of more, we have a lot more part member families where one person is is a member of the church and the rest are not, and so it just it seems like a a perfect time to do that. I mean, now is the time to if if someone's being damaged, 
or someone's being hurt by a certain policy and it doesn't really require any doctoral changes, then why not do it? Kirby, you're not a big fan of the temple first or wait policy. How did you come to that conclusion? Um, it was when I watched my daughters get married. My first, uh, the daughter who got married first was married in the temple. And uh, it made me remember what my own was like, actually running up to the wedding day. We actually had to come up with a list of who could go in um, in order to, to decide who to, to, to invite. And so there's all this kind of examination going on. Does Uncle Ron have uh, a temple recommend? You actually had to go ask people. And it seemed like a lot of feelings got hurt. My second daughter got married outside the temple, and there was none of that. Everybody could come. I can invite all my friends. My wife can invite her friends. And it just seemed to come off better and didn't really change anything uh, overall. Hmm. Talking about the Mormon uh, temple wedding policy, the push by some to get rid of the one-year waiting period that couples who marry civilly first must wait um, to go into the temple. And uh, you're welcome to join this conversation. If you've got questions or comments, send them to the hashtag TribTalk on Twitter and Google+, or put them in the comments section at sltrib.com. Uh, Paul, you created this website, familyfirstweddings.com, to, to sort of float this idea of changing the temple policy. Um, you've asked people to send in their stories, and I'm curious about the response that you've gotten. Um, is it primarily um, supporting your position, or are there those who say, you know, status quo works for me? Yeah, the the response has been pretty overwhelming. We we love what we've we received, and at the same time, it, it, it's kind of heartbreaking to read all these stories, and it makes it really real. Uh, what's going on right now? Just the, the stories we're, we're reading are filled with pain, filled with heartbreak, and it's just—it's really—it's heart-wrenching to read some of these stories that are on there. Um, as far as the opposition goes, once they understand, uh, there's a whole, there's a, there's a, before you're baptized in the church, there's a scripture that's read um, to the investigator. Well, why were follows on my mission, and it had to deal with mourning with those that mourn. And so if we take the time and to consider other people and what they're going through and their pain, and then you can better understand what they're going through. If you just walk a little bit in their shoes and say, hey, my daughter's Mormon, I'm not Mormon, how does that going to work for me? And so if we, or I have to choose between my church and, and my family, make that choice that's kind of, it doesn't have to be that choice. And if you just kind of walk along with them, then you can understand their pain and what they have to deal with, and then you then you then you can be on board with what we're trying to do. And I, I kind of have to say that um, what we're trying to do with the site is to present these stories, this pain to to the brethren, to our leaders, so that they can prayfully ask what they should do. So it's a it's a matter of saying here here's. Here's what we've gathered up. Here's some things that you can use to make your decision. I mean, how do you? What's the response though to people who specifically say, you know, waiting a year is not a big deal? Um, I mean, what is wrong with waiting a year? There's a certain stigma of waiting a year, right? That uh, that you've done something wrong, and there's nothing that they've done wrong. 
right? Uh, a lot of times, I think in my younger years, when we get wedding invitations from friends, you always look to see if they're getting married in the temple or married civilly. And then you're, if they're getting, if they're not getting married in the temple, you're like, oh, what do they do, huh? <laughs> and so there's that stigma of doing something wrong. Anytime you have to, uh, you know, if you're being penalized or something for a year, that means you're doing something wrong. That's the message that's being sent. Hmm. Kirby, do you agree? Yes, I do. Um, I didn't really think about the judgment part of it from the standpoint that, oh, they didn't get married, they were having sex, obviously. It, it comes, it, but it's comparable to the old days when every young man who was worthy should go on a mission. So if you didn't go on a mission, you weren't worthy. And it was a kind of a social judgment that wasn't always stated, but most people felt or mm. wondered. I want to get to some of our comments. Again, if you want to join our conversation, send your thoughts to the hashtag TripTalk on Twitter and Google Plus or put them at sltrib.com. And um, this is from uh, Blatherskite on Twitter. I gave a, a Relief Society lesson on eternal marriage, and an elderly woman said she regretted her temple marriage because her folks could not attend. Um, this from Happy Joe at sltrib.com. Are we to believe that Christ has one doctrine for the U.S.? but another or several others for the rest of the world. Um, Kirby, you want to chew on those? Yeah, I, when the column first came out, I was surprised because the feedback was instant. Uh, I knew within 10 minutes that my editor had posted online because the emails started rolling in. And initially it was divided into two groups, daughters that were upset because their mothers weren't at their wedding, and fathers who were upset because they couldn't attend their daughter's wedding. And there was a lot of a lot of bitterness about that. But then I started to hear from girls who'd gotten married in the temple and had been concerned about the judgment that would have been passed on them had they not. And it was kind of interesting to see what how much that drove their decision. Peggy, uh, grief, you've had like 2,400 comments on your story, uh, your blog post that talked about this possibility of a, of a policy change. I mean, um, is there consensus there, the majority in one way or the other, favoring one way or the other? Oh my gosh, I did not read the 2,400 <laughs> comments. <laughs> and never will. <laughs> But, well, I mean, what, what's your sense out there? Are there but, others like Paul, that, as you've done yeah. your reporting, who, who are, yeah, this are is really the, time? The second time I've written, I did write about a similar effort a couple of years ago, a petition drive that Paul knows about. And, uh, yeah, I think that there is the, I don't know if consensus, but there are a lot of families that are hurt by it. There's a lot of uh, creative problem solving. Some people try to have ring ceremonies uh, after the temple since in the temple there's no requirement that you exchange rings and so people choose to do the ring exchange outside the temple where other people can be involved in it. But yeah, I'd have to agree with Paul from my reporting and from people who have written in to me it's a point of of serious pain for a lot of people. Even uh, by far, the most number of people are still very active Mormons who wish they would have been more sensitive to their own family members. Not they're not attacking the church or wanting to. I mean, there are some of those, but mostly it's 
it's people who who wanted to be sensitive to their families at a very um, pivotal time. Mm -hmm. uh, a few other comments. Uh, DJ Gibb, the legal requirements in Europe and South America uh, is that religious leaders can't officiate in civil weddings. Something about separation of church and state. We don't get that in the States. Um, uh, let's see. Harold the Cat, the question is why can a child be sealed to their parents in the temple yet uh, they're not worthy to witness the temple marriage of their sibling? Um, this is a comment from Take Part. Is there any other organization that restricts who can be at their children's or parents' weddings? Uh, Peggy, does this? Do you see this in any other faith tradition out there? Um, I'm not familiar with all faith traditions, but as a general rule, I would say no. I would say that most um, most faith traditions are fairly open about who can attend and. To some extent, participate in a wedding. It's tend it's supposed to be a time of great celebration, and it's people make taking vows before God and before their families. So, those those tend to be mostly open. Uh, Peggy mentioned the the. I suppose emerging convention of uh, a ring ceremony that occurs after a temple ceremony. Um, I uh, attended a, a wedding in a Mormon chapel last summer. The bishop officiated. They exchanged vows and rings in the chapel. Um, are there variations to uh, temple marriage in the in the Mormon tradition, Paul? With the ring ceremony, that's a, that's a good point. A lot of people say, why don't you just have a ring ceremony afterwards as, as kind of the default if they weren't included. The problem with that is that most people can see through it. And the problem also with that is that bishops are told to really downplay this and really and kind of uphold the temple wedding. So it, it's kind of, again, looked down on and the members would say, oh, we're doing this just because of these people who couldn't go to the temple. And it just, again, it's not the same thing and most people can tell that. And again, when the, when the bishops are told to really downplay this, um, sometimes they're told not to exchange vows, and so that happens too. And it it's said to say, don't make this a big deal because the big deal already happened. Hmm. And so Kirby, again, I mean, does that sort of echo what you've seen in uh, in your surroundings? Yes, uh, it does echo what I've seen. The most important decision you can make in life usually comes down to who you're going to spend the rest of it with, and you rely a lot on your extended family to make that work. And it seems a bit <clears throat> counterproductive to start including or excluding people from the very beginning. It doesn't work, and I heard from a lot of people who expressed that concern. Uh, I guess I'd pose this to all three of you. I mean, if the if the policy <clears throat> were changed, though, I mean, what would it mean uh, theologically? Would it would it open? more public weddings? Would it lessen the sanctity, uh, the build-up to what an LDS temple marriage means? Um, who wants to go to that territory? Well, no, I, don't, I don't think there's... The beautiful thing about it is already happening in other countries, and so there's, not, there's no takeaway from it. There's no, there's no big change in it. Um, I think the only change is that wedding photographers are going to make a lot more money because now they're going to have a, a church <laughs> uh, to attend there and, and also after the temple. It's already happening, and I would, I would argue that it makes the temple ceremony that much more meaningful. 
you've got the drama out of the way of your wedding day, and you can go and really focus on what you're doing inside the temple. Mm. Kirby, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. That makes perfect sense. I don't understand the logic from the beginning of why this is the way that it is. I assume that it's because they want people to put a lot of emphasis on the temple. But I, like Paul said, I don't think you take away from that um, by allowing people to get married civilly first. You know, I look back at my own wedding. I was married in the Salt Lake Temple. Um, and I had to make this eternal decision when I was just about as stupid as I could possibly be in life. And maybe I shouldn't have been going into that without a lot of preparation uh, with my wife. Uh, we got married three months after we got engaged, two months after we came home, or six months after we came <laughs> home from our missions. Boy, <laughs> That's a pretty typical Mormon story, though. Um, Peggy, do you think it would have some sort of ripple effect in the way that temple marriage is, is taught in, in church services? Or, um, I don't know. What, what do you think? You know, the truth is, I don't know how many people would choose it, even still, even as an option. I think some would, some some couples would want to be sensitive to their family members but I still think most Mormon couples would see the temple as the, the big pinnacle and um, I, I, like Paul I see no doctrinal difference any kind of theological difference I don't think they would teach about temple marriage any differently and think it would still be held out as the goal uh, it just would mean some fewer families in pain. Mm. That's again, what if, I think. If you want to join our conversation again, we're talking about the Mormon temple policy, the one-year wait policy. If you choose a civil ceremony first, you need to wait a year in order to go through an LDS temple. And there is a push for change on that policy. If you'd like to chime in, send your thoughts to the hashtag TripTalk on Twitter and Google+, or put them at sltrip.com. This is from Skier Jim 7 uh, Living in Utah, all we hear about is families forever and Utah family values. Why does the church continue to divide families during weddings by excluding parents, siblings, and in-laws because they're not deemed worthy to attend weddings? Uh, this uh, from uh, Fiji Man, who writes, has there been anything of substance come out of the church's hierarchy on this, or is the talk of change nothing but rumor? Uh, Peggy, uh, you talked to LDS church officials for the story. What did they say? They said they're aware of the problem and they are continuing to examine the possibility, you know, the issue. Um, but I had already talked to a couple of sources who seemed to think there was some substance to the possibility. Uh, that's why it was a blog and not a story. I and mean, there's <laughs> not, there's not, you know, he, they didn't tell me they were changing the policy. Okay, Paul, is that similar to what you've heard? That's what I've heard. That's the rumor on the street. Again, you're, I mean, you're a faithful LDS member. Have you been summoned or uh, consulted on this issue by your church leaders? Um, actually, when we first started the site, we went to our leaders uh, to go up the proper channels. So I talked to the second counselor, my ward, my, one of my leaders in my local branch, and then we, I talked to the stake president who's over, you know, for those non-LDS people that are not 
I don't know what I'm talking about. So our stake president, so I talked to him. I showed him the letter that we were going to send up to, to Salt Lake, and he loved it. He agreed with it. He didn't know why we, we divide families like that. Um, he, and he knew it was just a policy, and it's just a matter of time. And so it was nice to, to see that he was on my side and that he understood what I, what I was wanting. Um, and then my older brother, who was involved with this, Mike, uh, we sent a lot of letters to um, the area authority, which he got the address from his state president. And so we're, we're kind of going up the chain of command here um, to try to do it properly, to, to, to have them ask to, to, to make this change. How will, how will the gay marriage debate that's raging across the nation right now, do you suspect that it might uh, make the church a little bit hands-off. This is a, a social ha hot potato. We're not going to go there right now. Um, how will it affect your issue, Paul? I don't, as far as gay marriage and, and the temple, I don't think that's going to affect it in any way, and, and this is why. Gay marriage has been in uh, Massachusetts now for I don't know how long. There's no lawsuits. I, I don't know of any lawsuits uh, to any religion um, for not having a priest or someone marry them. And so I don't think that's a, an issue at all with gay marriage. Gay marriage also exist, exists out of the U.S. And they, there's temples, you know, that in those same countries has not been an issue at all. So I don't think gay marriage is going to have a factor in this policy change. And if uh, some people have rumored say, oh, yeah, they're going to change this because of gay marriage. And I would say that I don't think that's, that's an issue because of those reasons. There's no lawsuits in the USA. People trying to sue religions to marry them, and there's... And gay marriages existed outside the U.S. where temples have been, and they've got along just fine. I mean, I guess where these issues touch is the role that civil government has in, in marriage and, uh, you know, the, the separation of church and state, as our commenter said. Um, Kirby, Peggy, uh, is this too hot to handle right now? I don't think so, um, but then I'm not in a church leadership position. Um, but it seems like a simple fix. To me, and like Peggy said, some people will take advantage of it, uh, or you know, look at it and say, "Oh, I can get married with all my family," and some won't. Some will choose to get married in the temple, uh, but it does give them an option to have their family with them when they do this. I, I, I'd have to say that I do. I think the same-sex marriage um, issue, if you will, has nothing to do with this, though there has been some rumor that the church would do it to protect itself in case of lawsuits, but as Paul said, and as every First Amendment person I've talked to about this says, religions in America will never be required to marry people against their own doctrine. So. I think it's a little bit of a smokescreen. I, I really don't see those two issues coming I mean, together. If, if you look at the back before 1978 where blacks were not included in the temple or were able to hold the priesthood, there was no lawsuits against the church for that either. And so why would this be any different? Mm. This is from uh, Jonathan Barker on Twitter. A, a relation, Paul? I don't know. Uh, how will allowing civil ceremonies remove stigma? Probably you won't. want to take that, Kirby? It probably won't. I mean, when when you're in a a church or a group that is stratified as as this group is Mormons, um, you're never going to take that away from. There's still people today who wonder why uh, young Mormon males don't go on missions. 
uh, it's expected more of males than it is of women. And we're still living that kind of mindset. So I don't think that it would take away the stigma completely, um, at least not right away. Hmm. Oh, I, I think it would actually. I think that if people have a civil ceremony first and then they go immediately to the temple, there would be a lot less speculation. Oh, it's they're, yeah. they're, they're having sex or whatever. If they go right on the same day, the same week, something like that, I think it would just, most people would still see that as, as appropriate and okay. And it would simply say we're being sensitive to our families. The only criticism I can imagine people, Mormons, um, putting forward is if civil ceremonies turn into big theatrical productions, Mormons are kind of critical of that in other traditions and if if those civil ceremonies become that, I think there would be criticism of that. Oh, and I guess that leads to my final question. So logistically, if Paul's request, if others' request to change the policy is successful, how does that sort of change the culture? Do, do chapels become more of a wedding house? Um, do you see the uh, the temple being sort of put aside? Uh, is the timing going to be an issue? Uh, I guess each of you, Paul, what do you think? I think the church is already kind of a wedding center. I, I don't how many how many wedding pictures have a basketball hoop in the background <laughs> already, you know? Uh, and so that's already a big part of Mormonism. And, and to speak to the, uh, the gaudiness of, of weddings, too, I mean, we already do that. We already spend the money or whatever on the reception, you know? So we already have those stigma, or I guess whatever you want, um, on the reception side. We're going to spend the money somewhere. If it's going to be in the wedding, if it's not in the wedding, then it's going to be in the reception. Mm. Peggy, I mean, is but the fear though is that it yeah. would it, the the focus would be on the, right. the production, right? Right. Yeah, that's definitely the fear that it would take away from the sacredness and solemnity of the temple ceiling. That's the fear, and and that could easily happen in some cases. But they can also keep the chapels. Right now, it's. You're not supposed to be able to use the chapel for a wedding, a Mormon chapel. Obviously, there are exceptions, but um, I think that they, there's some policies that could minimize some of that. Hmm. Um, and they could talk to people about being sensitive, being aware. But yeah, I, I think it will change the culture slowly. It could change yeah. the culture over time. Kirby, uh, final thoughts? Yeah, well, I mean, the gaudiness of a wedding or the over-planning uh, over of it is definitely a problem. My last daughter didn't get married in the temple, and I had to fly my entire family to Hawaii for it. So, yeah, I'd go for a much simpler wedding. But, I mean, if you permit people to get married in the temple after they're married civilly, it's a trade. What do you stand to gain from it, from letting them do it that way, versus what you might lose? And I think it would remove a lot of pain from a lot of relationships if we just did away with that. Mm -hmm. Paul, uh, you've been collecting these stories online. When, when, when are you going to submit this to church leadership for their consideration? We already submitted a package in September, and so we're just doing it again. Uh, another round, probably next month, we'll submit those. Have you heard anything? 
we did hear back. Uh, we 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 sent it out to uh, the area authority, and we got a response from the first presidency saying we got your letter and basically, thank you for submitting it. We're considering everything, and so that's what, and so that's great. It was a good response, yeah. um, and it was nice to get a response from the first presidency since we did send it to the area authority that was advised by our state president, so it moved up the chain properly, just like we're asked to do. And so that's what happened. All right. Well, that story I'm sure that we'll continue to follow. And Paul Barker and Robert Kirby, Peggy Fletcher-Stack, thanks very much for the time today. I appreciate it. Thanks. And much more on Mormon issues, of course, on our website, sltrib.com. I'm Jennifer Napier-Pierce with the Salt Lake Tribune. Thanks for joining us for Trib Talk today. We'll see you next time.